Chapter 17 of The Box with the Broken Seals by E. Phillips Oppenheim. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. For a few seconds, Jocelyn Thew was certainly taken back. His little start, his look of blank astonishment, were coupled with a certain loss of poise which Crawshay had been quick to note. But after all, the interlude was brief enough. "'Exactly what does this mean, Nora?' he demanded. Her vivid brown eyes were fastened upon his face, eager to understand his attitude, a little defiant, a little appealing. There was nothing to be gathered from his expression, however. After that first moment, he was entirely himself, well-mannered, unemotional, cold. "'I came over on the Baltic,' she explained. "'I guessed.' I'd find you here. Fourteenth Street was getting a little sultry. The old man hopped it to San Francisco the day you left. Sit down, he invited. They found places on a lounge and were served with cocktails. The girl sipped hers disapprovingly. Rum stuff, this, she declared. I guess I'll have to get my shaker out. You're staying here, then, he inquired. "'Why not?' she replied, with a faint note of truculence in her tone. "'You know I'm not short of money, and I guessed it was where I should find you.' He raised his eyebrows. "'That is very nice and companionable of you,' he said, "'and naturally I shall be very glad to be of any assistance possible while you are over here. But I hope you'll remember, Nora, that I did not encourage you to come.' "'I'm wise enough about that,' she admitted. "'I never expected you to care two pins, whether you ever saw me again or not. And I know quite well,' she went on hastily, "'that I haven't any right to follow you, or anything of that sort. But honestly, Mr. Thew, we were being watched down there, and New York wasn't exactly healthy.' He nodded. "'Yes,' he assented. "'No doubt you are right.' They have awkward methods of cross-examination there, although I don't think they'd get much out of you, Nora. I'd no fancy to have them try, she admitted. Besides, I never had that trip to Europe that Uncle and I were always talking about, and it seemed to me that if I wanted to see the old country whole, now or never was the time. You may all be a German colony over here by next year. I have no right or any desire, he told her quietly, to interfere in any way with your plans. But I must warn you that just at present I am living in the utmost jeopardy. I have no friends to whom I can introduce you, nor any of my own time or attentions to offer. Unless you choose to exercise tact, I might find your presence here not only embarrassing, but a positive hindrance to my plans. I guess I can lie close, she replied, looking at him through half-closed eyes. Just how I am to size that up, though. He looked at her appraisingly, a little cruelly. The effect of her beautiful figure was almost ruined by the cheap and unbecoming clothes in which she was attired. Her hat, with its huge hat-pins, 
and ultra-fashionable height was hideous. She exuded perfumes. Her silk stockings and suede shoes were the only reasonable things about her. The former she was displaying with some recklessness as she leaned back upon the settee. "'I once told you,' he said calmly, "'that there was no woman in the world for whom I felt the slightest affection.' "'Well, that is no longer the case.' Her eyes glittered. "'Who is she?' "'It is not necessary for you to know,' he answered coldly. "'She happens, however, to be concerned in the business which I have on hand. She has been of great assistance to me, and she may yet be the means of helping me to final success. I cannot afford to have her upset by any false impressions. She looked at him almost wonderingly. If you're not the limit, she exclaimed, nothing matters to you except to succeed. You tell me in one breath that you care for a woman for the first time in your life, and in the next you speak of using her as your tool. "'You perhaps find that incomprehensible,' he observed. "'I do not blame you. At present, however, I have only one object in life, and that is to succeed in the business I have on hand. Whatever I may find it necessary to do to attain my ends, I shall do.' She had gone a little pale, and her white teeth were holding down her full upper lip. "'Buy me another cocktail,' she demanded. He obeyed, and she drank it at a gulp. "'So, you are not going to be nice to me?' she asked in a low tone. "'That depends upon what you call nice,' he answered. "'I am rather up against a blank wall. "'Even if I succeed, I remain in this country "'at a very considerable personal danger. "'I am not sure,' that even for your sake, Nora, it is well for you to associate with me. Why not go home? You'll find some of your people still there, and an old sweetheart or two, very likely. It isn't a very warm welcome, she remarked, a little wistfully. You may have taken me by surprise, he reminded her. I had not the slightest idea of your coming. I know that, she sighed. I suppose I ought to not have hoped for anything more. You have never been any different to me than to any of the others. You treat us all, men and women, just alike. You are gracious or cold, just according to how much we can help. I sometimes wonder, Mr. Jocelyn Thew, whether you have a heart at all. For a single moment he looked at her kindly. His hand even patted hers. It was a curious revelation. He was a kindly, ordinary human being. Ah, Nora, he said, I am not quite so bad as that. But for many years I've had a great driving impulse inside me, and at the back of it the most wonderful incentive in all the world. You know what that is, Nora, or perhaps you don't. To a woman... It would be love, I suppose. To a man, it is hate. She drew a little further away from him, as though something which had flamed in his eyes for a moment had frightened her. Yes, she murmured, you are like that. 
Jocelyn Thew was himself again almost at once. Since we understand one another, Nora, he said, a little more kindly, let me tell you that I am really very glad to see you, although you did give me rather a shock just now. I want you, if you will, to turn your head to the left. You see those two men, one seated in the easy chair and the other on its arm? I see them. They are the two men, he continued, who are out to spoil my show if they can. You may see them again under very different circumstances. I shan't forget, she murmured. The dark one looks like Brightman, the detective you were up against in that Fall River business, the man who believed that you were the high priest of crime in New York. You have a good memory, he remarked. It's the same man. And the other, she continued, with a sudden added interest in her tone. Why, that's the Englishman who had me turned off from the hotel in Washington. Don't you remember? I went there for a month on trial as a telephone operator, just before the election. You remember why? That Englishman was always dropping in. He used to bring me flowers now and then, but I felt certain from the first he was suspicious. He got me turned off just as things were getting interesting. Right again, Jocelyn Thew told her. His name is Crawshay. He is the man who was sent out from Scotland Yard to the English Embassy. He crossed with me on the steamer. We had our first little bout there. Who won? The first trick fell to me, he acknowledged grimly. And so will the second and third, she murmured. He may be brainy, though he doesn't look it with that monocle and appearing way he has. But you're too clever for them all, Jocelyn Thew. You'll win. He smiled very faintly. Well, he said, this time I have to win or throw in my chips. Now, if you like, we'll have some lunch, and afterwards, if you'll forgive my taking the liberty of mentioning it, you had better buy some clothes. You don't like this black silk? she asked wistfully. I got it at a store uptown, and they told me these sorts of skirts were all the rage over here. Well, you can see for yourself they aren't, he remarked, a little dryly. London is a queer place in many ways, especially about clothes. You're either right or you're wrong. And you've got to be right, Nora. We'll see about it presently. They left the room together. Crawshay looked after them with interest. This affair, he told his companion, grows hourly more and more interesting. You've been up against Jocelyn Thew, you tell me? Well, I'm perfectly certain that that girl whose coming gave him such a start was a young woman I had turned away from a hotel in Washington. She was in the game then, more locally perhaps, but still in the same game. I used to sit and talk to her in the afternoon sometime. Finest brown eyes I ever saw in my life. I wonder if there's anything between her and Jocelyn Thew he added, looking through the door 
with a faintly disapproving note in his tone, a note which a woman would have recognized at once as jealousy. "'If you ask me, I should say no,' the other answered. "'I've kept tabs on Jocelyn Thew for a bit, and I've had his dossier. There's never been a woman's name mentioned in connection with him. Don't seem as though he'd ever moved round or taken a meal with one all the time he was in New York. To tell you the truth, Mr. Crawshay, that's what just makes it so difficult to get your hands on a man you want. Nine times out of ten, it's through the women we get home. The man who stands clear of them has an extra chance or two. Say, what time this evening? Come up to my rooms at 178 St. James Street at 7 o'clock, Crawshay directed. I've a little investigation to make before then. End of chapter 17